This is the Senior Living Truth Series podcast, where we have candid conversations about complex issues facing today's mature adults. No sales pitch, only the truth. I'm Dr. Nikki Buckaloo. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Nikki Buckaloo here. Good to see you. Um, you can see me. I don't get to see you, which is really not very fair. Matter of fact, um, I told Naomi this morning that uh, I was all excited about being festive and trying to be in the holiday spirit. So I wore my red pants that you're not going to really be able to see. And I wore my new holiday shoes that you're not going to be able to really see. But, you know, we'll just have to, maybe I'll shoot a picture uh, up on Facebook so you can see my, my holiday attire. I am imagining all of you out in the audience with your red and green and white scarves and um, all of your holiday attire. Um, happy Hanukkah to those of you who are celebrating the Jewish holiday uh, this evening with the lighting uh, this evening at sunset. And to those of you who I won't talk to between now and then, Merry Christmas. I'm coming up quick. Um, so, you know, over the last, what, nine or ten months now, it's been a little bit um, different for all of us and um, off and on with the live events and so on. I hope all of you are uh, managing to stay safe and enjoying yourselves despite the pandemic issues. One of the things that the pandemic has kind of done, and I don't know, it's it's almost a gift. We're going to call it that um, if, if you are willing to bear with me here, but is that it's caused us all to do a little bit of, I think, self-reflection, right? Like reprioritize what's important in our lives. And so today's topic on legacy is actually um, very appropriate, um, not only for the holiday season as we have family coming in or we're going to be maybe instead of doing family in our homes, we might be doing virtual family visits. Um, I think we have to think about how we're going to continue to have that important conversation and time together with people. And so today, hopefully, maybe give you some ideas. We'll see. Um, The other thing I want to do before we dive into the material today is, um, first of all, let me thank everybody for for coming on last month on the November uh, seminar on healthcare. And let me just say, um, that was not probably one of our best presentations. And I'll just be really honest with everybody and transparent. Um, I found out about 30 minutes before that um, online webinar that I had tested positive for COVID and actually was not feeling well at all that day, but the show must go on. So uh, we went ahead, we did it from home. Uh, Chris handled all the technology, Naomi handled everything in the background, and I literally finished that session and then went back to bed. And so um, if you guys are watching and you're thinking, God, Nikki was not on her game, that is true. Chris and I are both fine now, um, as you can probably see. I am past it. I've been back to work for a few weeks now. Chris has been as well. And that being said, I will tell you that I certainly would not want anyone else to get it. Um, We were very fortunate in that we knew uh, early on that we might have some symptoms, and so we were tested, and we were quarantined, and we don't feel like we exposed anyone. But I will tell you guys just... As a personal note, um, it felt an awful lot like a head cold to me, and Chris's felt an awful lot like sinuses. And so because we know of the symptoms and COVID is kind of odd and different for everybody, we were tested. 
So don't blow it off. Um, if I had any piece of advice for you, I would just say, if there's anything just not quite right, go ahead and get it checked out um, and catch it early. That way, um, not only will you not expose others, but you yourself can get treatment if you need it. So um, thanks for your patience for last month. We're not going to post that recording because um, it was not the presentation I intended to give. We'll probably do a, uh, an encore presentation of that at some point in the future, and we'll certainly get that out to everybody. So um, thank you guys for that. Um, again, I, I just think it's really important. Here we are. This is the last seminar of five years of seminars for us. So five years we've been doing uh, the Senior Living Truth Series. And I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, I can't even tell you guys that how important it is that we have these people on board and you know it's it's not one or two it's the whole team that makes this possible um, it's a financial contribution so that they're free for you guys but it's also the fact that these are people who raised their hand and said we have a bigger mission uh, it's not just about what we do in our business this is about helping people make informed decisions. And as we always say, educate, equip, and empower people to make informed decisions. And the people who have been involved in this all year long, we just want to appreciate them. Uh, a couple more thank yous real quick, if you'll just indulge me. Um, Shannon, uh, of course, here with Buckaloo Realty Group, and Lori with our OKC Mature Moves team. They're always helping out, especially the live events, Jim Buckaloo, my father-in-law, and then you guys have no idea. I wish you could see this uh, setup Chris has got going on here for the technology. Um, he spends countless hours getting prepped and making sure that everything's working right. And then Naomi, you guys all know her, uh, the phone calls, the reminders, the emails, um, everything that goes on for registration. So um, this is not a small production, and we just appreciate everything that the team does to help support it. So thank you guys for everything, team. All right, okay, so, oh, you know, and I want to, I don't want to miss somebody. There's two more people I want to thank. Um, Linda Smiley, I don't know if she's online today or not, but she volunteered uh, for most of the year helping out with registrations and things like that when we were live. And then Quill Creek Golf and Country Club, the guys there, Jimmy and his team who do the setup at the venue. And hopefully come uh, January, we'll get back to that. So stay tuned. We'll will hopefully make that happen come January. So keep your fingers crossed. All right, so I think that is, that's everything on housekeeping. So let's dive in to today's discussion on legacy, all right? So what is legacy? That's the first thing we're gonna talk about. Um, five myths about leaving a legacy. We're gonna cover five of the most common myths. And then we're gonna talk about legacy action steps. We did a seminar, I guess it was, the end of last year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, where we talked about living, dying, and leaving a legacy. And we got so involved in the first part of the conversation that we didn't spend a lot of time on the legacy piece. And so I had people come up to me afterward and say, you know, that was really good, and I appreciate the seminar, but I want more on the legacy piece. And so that's how this session uh, came about. And so we're going to talk strictly about legacy today. And so the first thing, uh, obviously, that we want to talk about is what is it, right? What is it? Well, if you read online or if you buy a book or you download an article, listen to a video on this, what you're going to realize is that 
depending on who wrote the article or where the book came from, whose perspective uh, was behind that, it's about something different. So oftentimes what's interesting is I will hear people talk about legacy only as it relates to money or inheritance or wealth building. Well, that's because what I found is that the financial services industry is really, really actively writing articles and doing different educational pieces on legacy. Well, so naturally, it's going to skew towards the money topic. If you go to a religious site, um, you'll find that they're going to talk more about your spiritual legacy, so on and so forth. So today what I hope to do is maybe make it a little bit more broad so that you understand and can begin to formulate for yourself what your legacy is, because it may not be about money. Um, it probably won't be about money, matter, matter of fact. It, um, even though that's where it's probably most... Um, referred to in, in materials, that's probably not the biggest thing that people think about when they think about legacy. So, um, so Chris, if you would put that um, slide back up on the screen for me on what is a legacy. Um, it really is the part of you that lives on after you're gone. The part of you, right? Let's think about that for a second. It's what people remember about you. It's your contribution to the world that remains despite your physical absence. I'm going to say that again. Your contribution to the world that remains despite your physical absence. And then the last one, your impact on others, either individually or collectively. And all of us can think of people that we know, um, famous people, if you will, that we think, gosh, they made a difference in the world, right? They could be uh, religious leaders, they could be political leaders, activists, um, celebrities. And then we also have this other group of people that are more personal to us, family members, grandparents, aunts, uncles, family members that really made an impact in our life. And of course, teachers and Sunday school teachers and pastors and neighbors. Everyone leaves a legacy, and that's the real key here. We're going to be talking about that as we go through the material. So uh, as we talk about the legacy categories, um, I've defined here uh, five bullet points of legacy categories. And so, um, Chris, if we could go one more slide, that'd be great. Um, those, the five legacy categories are family legacy, professional legacy, financial legacy, spiritual legacy, and personal legacy. So again, family, professional, financial, spiritual, and personal. In every one of those categories, um, Chris, let's go ahead and leave that up for just for, for just a minute while people are, because I have a place on their note sheet. You guys should have a note sheet from Naomi that you've got where you can make notes on this particular section. Um, whether or not you leave it intentionally or unintentionally, if you had a profession, if you worked in a career of some sort, you're going to have a professional legacy. If you didn't, then you may not. Otherwise, everyone will leave a legacy 
in these categories, either intentionally or unintentionally. And one of the things I think is important is that it could be a positive legacy or a negative legacy. And, you know, when you say, well, gosh, what could be a negative legacy? I thought legacy was positive. Um, it, it isn't necessarily. So if you have families that have passed down um, behaviors or if they have passed down uh, habits and cultural values that are not positive, either for the people or for the world, then that could be a negative legacy. So for, for, for instance, abuse, right? That's not a good legacy. Um, addiction can be considered a negative legacy. And I want to talk a little bit about how that can sometimes be um, turned around from being a negative legacy into being a positive legacy. And we'll talk about that when we get to the action steps. Um, I will tell you that, um, again, being skewed a little bit, um, depending on what you read and who you talk to, um, they only talk about positive legacy. And they don't often talk about the unintentional legacy. So think about, for instance, um, teachers. Uh, I have a, an amazing teacher that um, her name was Jane Noose. And she passed away just recently, and um, she was killed in a, in a tragic accident um, where she was mowing on the side of a creek bed, as I understand it, and the tractor flipped over on her, and she died. And she was 69 years old, um, teaching in Okeen High School currently. She was a teacher at Gary High School, uh, Home Economics, and she was the sponsor for our FHA group. She was somebody that... You know, I don't think she set out in her teaching career to say, this is going to be my legacy, right? These kids are my legacy. I don't think anybody really does that. But I will tell you that, you know, if you were to read through the, the commentary on her Facebook page when she passed, the people uh, like me uh, who wrote on her for her kids to see, the impact that she made in our lives was huge. Um, she's part of the reason I do what I do today. You know, she introduced me to working with our senior adults in our hometown. We did a secret grandparent project there where I served um, as the chair of that, um, had secret grandparents for several years. And I think that, you know, at the time I wouldn't have known that, but that helped shape my future. And I just, I think of her with such appreciation because of who she was and what she did every single day. The comments were things like, she was like a second mom to many of us. So that is part of Jane News's legacy. And what I really want to say too is I appreciated about her was that she didn't, um, she didn't leave that legacy at the expense of her own family. Um, her own family also felt very loved and very nurtured and cared for. So it wasn't like she left a professional legacy and her home life was terrible. Um, she was very aligned, let me put it that way. So spiritually, professionally, personally, um, her legacy was very aligned with who she was and how she lived her life. So let's, go to, let's dive into the five common myths and I'm going to just kind of overview the five myths and then we're going to talk about them one at a time. So the first 
common myth is I don't have a legacy to leave. And we've already kind of talked about that. We do have legacies to leave. How others remember me isn't important. Mm. It becomes more important. We'll talk about that. My personal belongings are my legacy. Um, being in real estate for 30 years and helping people with the process of downsizing, there's an awful lot of people who think that their personal belongings are their legacy. Money is the most valuable legacy. We hear that a lot. And then also everything I did or said will be remembered as part of my legacy. So let's dive into those one at a time. And let's talk about uh, the first myth, which is I don't have a legacy to leave. The truth is everyone leaves a legacy. Um, we know that um, you're going to be remembered right, by someone. Now, unless you're living uh, under a rock somewhere and you have no relationships whatsoever and nobody even knows who you are, you're completely off the grid, that might be an exception. But most of us are not. We're living lives. Um, so if, whether it's your family, the people who live around you, your neighbors, the child next door, the people you mentored when you were uh, working before retirement, it, there are so many places that you have uh, influenced lives that everyone will leave a legacy. Um, Again, I'm going to just repeat this, intentionally or unintentionally. And so hopefully today, those of you uh, listening in will begin to think about the fact that you still have a lot of life left in you and you have an opportunity to continue to have an influence in people's lives. So let's go to the, uh, the next one, which is how others remember me isn't important. <laughs> well... Some people think that. Uh, I've heard actually colleagues of mine say, you know, I don't really care what anybody thinks about me. It's not important. But the closer we are to the end of life, and even if we perceive that we're reaching the end of our life, so when we reach a certain age, if we say, well, my parents died when they were this age, so therefore I will probably only live that long, we begin to think about what our life meant. We begin to do a lot of self-reflection. Um, we begin to ask ourselves a few questions. And here, here are the questions, and I don't have a slide on this. I'm just going to read them to you. The first question about this particular myth is, how will I be remembered? That's a question a lot of people are internally asking themselves. Will my legacy be a positive one? In other words, did I make a difference? Did I do everything I could to leave a positive legacy? And you might end that sentence with, for my family, or for my grandkids, or for the people I love. And then, is there anything I need to do now, today, to create the legacy of my choosing? So in other words, how can I, or what can I do to create a legacy of my choosing? And we're going to talk about that in the action items section. So everyone, as they get closer to the end of their life, begins to think about that. Another myth, third myth, my personal belongings are my legacy. Um, <laughs> the truth is how we live or lived our lives are more likely to form our legacy than our things. Now remember, I told you earlier, depending on who's delivering a talk or a book or materials on this topic, 
will skew what they say about it. So because I've been in real estate for so long and because we, for a living, sell homes and help people downsize, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one. Okay. Things have changed. I think we can all agree that the way it was when our parents or grandparents were living is not necessarily the way it is now, right? So I know from experience in my family that the family farm was really literally the family farm. So for instance, my great-grandparents, when they passed, they passed the land and a home, a farmhouse, down to my grandparents. My grandparents kept some of the structures on the land, but built their own structure. But it was truly the family farm. It was divided into two halves. Uh, my, one of my uncles had part of it, uh, my great uncles, and then my grandfather had part of it. When he passed, um, there was one out of his three children, two children living, who felt very connected with that farm and wanted it to stay in the family. And we see that with farms, uh, especially here in, obviously, in agricultural land, Oklahoma, Midwest, people who own a lot of land or farmland especially, will pass that land down to the next generation. But there's a difference between farmland and a house in a neighborhood in the middle of a metropolitan area. And what we see very frequently is that Adult children, when they inherit a house from their parents, the parents had a perception that that is part of their legacy. They're leaving that house to their kids. And many times that's because their recollection of, of the proper or appropriate and the most appreciated thing to do is to leave that to your kids because historically that's what we've seen happen. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story uh, that illustrates this point beautifully, and that is Ms. Collins. That's not her actual name, but I'm going to call her Ms. Collins. She had a little house here in the village in Oklahoma City, and early on when Chris and I first started specializing in working with people who were downsizing, she called, and she was curious about moving to a senior community. So I went out and met with her, and the more I spoke with her, the more... Uh, <clears throat> she had kind of talked herself out of moving to a senior community. In fact, it was really outside of her budget. And the more I learned about Ms. Collins, the more she told me, she said her son was actually subsidizing her income on a monthly basis. He lived out of state. And she felt terrible about that. She did not want him to have to give her money for things. So she wasn't living a full life. She was very conservative because she was concerned about taking money from her son. So we talked a little bit about reverse mortgages, which again, some people are in favor, some are not, but for her, her home was completely paid off and she was taking money from her son. And I said, well, what if we did a reverse mortgage on your house where you could then take your equity and have that available to you on a monthly basis instead of your son? And she said, oh, no, 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 I want to leave this house to my son. This is my legacy. This is my inheritance to him. I, I want him to receive this. So I said, okay, so what does your son think about that? And she said, well, I don't really know. I've never asked him. So I said, well, what if we do that? Let's ask him. 
she was agreeable, so we picked up the phone and we called him. She told him why I was there and what was going on and what her plans were, and she put him on the phone. And he said, tell me a little bit about what you're talking about. And I explained to him how we could supplement, instead of him sending her $400 a month, she could receive that money from her equity. And then she would be free to use it however she chose without feeling confined and, and beholden to him. And I said, here's the, here's the reason she doesn't want to do it. She, she sees this house as what she has to leave you. This is what she wants to leave to you. And he said, oh my gosh, if you could talk her into selling that house, that would be the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> he said, I don't have time to deal with it. I don't, if she, when she passes, I don't want to have to come to Oklahoma and sell that house and liquidate everything. But he said, I don't know if she can afford to move. And I said, she really can't. And he said, well, you can tell her that that house is not what I need her to give to me. That's just, I don't remember how he said it. And I said, well, I'm not going to tell her that. You tell her that. So I gave her back the phone. He and his mother had a very nice conversation. He was a very nice gentleman. And he explained to his mom that it was more important to him that she was self-sufficient, not because he was not wanting to give her the money. It wasn't about that. It was the, it was the tension between the two of them because of the money. So, long story short, she refinanced the house using reverse mortgage. When she passed, I'm sure, well, I don't know because we were not in contact with her. It was probably many years later when we were out of the area. But in that moment, it, I realized that that house, even though she thought about it being her legacy, her son really wanted her to have quality of life now, not the house later. The house was actually a burden to him. Um, similarly, we see that with the personal belongings. Personal belongings have a tendency to be labeled as legacy items. Things like jewelry, china, art, family heirlooms, furniture, um, antiques, things like that. Well, when you look back, again, this is you have to reflect on where did that belief come from. Again, back to grandparents and great-grandparents. They did not have, oftentimes, the money to purchase items for themselves. So they received hand-me-downs. Um, I know I received hand-me-downs. When I moved out, I had some furniture and some floral-patterned couches and chairs and things like that because I didn't have the money to go out and buy those things. So they were given to me. And I appreciated them. But it's an interesting world that we live in now that people can go out and purchase those things themselves, right? Um, in many cases, they can finance them, or they're so inexpensive that people will just buy them. So things like china that is no longer used, things like um, the things that sit on the shelf that are decorative are no longer appreciated. Um, it's not personal. I'm going to go ahead and just say that. It's just that they do not have the same meaning to the next generation that they had to the previous one. I'm going to take it one step further and say that rather than it being a positive legacy, leaving all of those things to your, to your next generation, it's actually a burden. It's actually a negative legacy. I have a friend right now, I won't say her name, but she is in the midst of going through her parents' home. They had... They had it stacked to the gills with everything you can imagine. It was packed. They both passed away in a very short period of time, and she and her brothers are trying to now get everything out and go through it and figure out what to do with the items that are left. 
and she feels like it's her responsibility to do that. One brother lives out of the area. It's making it very difficult for him to come and do it, and so it's taking forever. While they're doing that, the house is costing them money. It's costing them money, which is a burden on them right now because they don't have the income to, to sustain it. So think about the person that you're, you're passing it on to. Is it, in fact, a positive inheritance that you're giving, a positive legacy? All right. So let's go to the next one, which is money is the most valuable legacy. Um, you know, money is good for the good it does, right? Um, that I learned that you know early in my career, and I I don't think that money is a bad legacy, and I and I don't mean to sound that way. So for those of you who say, "Gosh, I'm bequeath you know bequeathing all of my." money to a charitable organization, I think that's wonderful. I think it's beautiful and I hope to do that myself. I will say this though, the money is not your legacy. The money itself is just money. The legacy is the values that are associated with the money that you're leaving. Uh, in fact, most people will tell you, I, I, I've done some surveying on this myself, that actually Quality time with the person leaving the money is far more valuable to the person who inherited it than the money itself. If they could trade money for time, they would take the time, if it was quality time, right? Now, people are more than happy to take money as inheritance. Don't get me wrong. They'll welcome it. But that, just the money itself isn't legacy. Money's just money, right? Um, I have my own family stories, we probably all do, about money. That money can be left and then it's fought over by the siblings or it's contested by uh, long-lost relatives. Money can actually turn into a negative legacy if it's not done intentionally, right? So having a, um, first of all, having paperwork in place, getting your house in order is really important. We'll talk about that in the action items. But I will tell you that if you have scabs of money, let's just say those of you in the audience who are multimillionaires or you have more money than you need, and you're thinking, I'm going to leave that to my grandkids or I'm going to leave that to my kids or to my nieces or nephews, I'm going to bet you, if you ask them, they would really rather have an experience. I would think that they, if you took them somewhere that was mutually <laughs> pleasing, that time and experience with them is worth way more than if you gave them the amount of money it costs to do that, right? So Christmas is an example. $100 at Christmas you give to the grandkids. They're going to take that $100 to the mall or Amazon or they're going to go buy something with it. That's not a legacy. That's just money. But you take them with that same $100 and you spend the day doing something with them using that $100 that's going to be a memory that they will never forget. You know, my grandfather did two things with me that I always think about that didn't cost anything, by the way, um, extra to do. He sat in a chair, recliner, probably watching the news. I don't remember what he was watching, but my grandmother would wash my hair in the sink. And when I was a kid, I had really, really long hair all the way down to my uh, bottom of my waist. She would then send me in to my grandpa, Papa Clinton, and he would brush my hair just for, I don't know, what felt like hours. 
he would brush my hair and he was so gentle, like just, he was just so kind about it. And I remember that and that time with him was precious. Like I wouldn't give that up for anything. And the other thing we did together was he had me ride on the combine with him out in the wheat field. And then when we were done with the combine and we dumped the weed into the truck, we got over in the truck and off to town we went to the elevator. And again, that time with him is far more valuable than any money that was left in his estate. Um, you can't trade it. Not to say that money isn't nice, but it's not the legacy. I want to be really clear, not that money isn't nice, but it's not the legacy. Tell the stories, spend the time. All right. Next one, the last uh, item on the list of myths, is everything I did or said will be remembered as part of my legacy. <clears throat> everything I said or did will be remembered as part of my legacy. That's a myth. The truth is different people will remember you for different reasons, right? Different people will remember you for different reasons. Your family uh, will have a different view of your legacy, potentially, could be similar, than the people you work with, the people that you uh, went to church with, the people that you met on a random day who didn't even know your name, will have a different legacy piece of you than others. I'll give you an example of someone who did not even know he had left this legacy until we had a random uh, encounter. Uh, this is Dr. Forrest Ladd. I took this picture of him with, uh, I cropped it down. He's actually sitting next to his wife with uh, part of our team behind him. And this was the day uh, he moved into his new apartment at Spanish Cove. Um, and he and I had had a conversation a few days before that. And Dr. Ladd uh, and I were chatting. I knew he had been a professor at Southern Nazarene University. He retired there. He was a psychology professor, um, chaired a lot of committees, was very involved. Uh, he was an amazing person, but I did not know him at that time. The more we talked, and he asked me a couple of questions about my education, and I explained to him I got my master's at SNU as well as my, my bachelor's, and I did it through the adult studies program, which is um, where you go one night a week um, from 6 to 10, and you get to count some of your life experience towards your credits. And it's a very unique program designed specifically for adult learners who work full time. So he, was, he knew about that program. He was very clear about what that program was, and I was telling him how it had made such a big difference in my life. And it actually was the, the thing that directed me to work with downsizing seniors because I got my, my gerontology degree. And then I decided to go into counseling there. And he was just listening intently. And I thought, there's something interesting about how interested he is in my story. And then he said it. He said, you know, I was on the original committee that we started that adult studies program. We designed it. Um, several of us. He didn't take full credit, but he said, I was involved in creating that psychology program for the adult studies program at SNU. And I, I teared up, and I may tear up now. I, I said, you don't know how valuable that was to me. Now, what's interesting about that is it came full circle, didn't it? He was the benefactor of the service that we provide 
as a result of the education that I earned through SNU. He created the program that got me to do what I do. And now he's benefiting from that. It was the craziest thing. It was like all of these dots began to form a story and he left a legacy he did not even know he left to me. I watched, uh, watched his Facebook page over the last um, few months since he and I met and uh, we connected as friends and a lot of people have gone onto his Facebook page and thanked him for his teaching style and for the classes that he taught, people who were engaged in with him regularly. And so he's able to be thanked for those things. And I think that's so important because so many times we don't even realize what we've done or said or maybe uh, even just how we've lived our lives have impacted people. So if you can go back and thank somebody from your childhood or from your college years or young adult years, I think that it's really valuable to do that because people do not know the impact that they've had on lives unless we tell them, of course. What you did, how you lived, are part of your legacy, but not all of it. So let's talk about action steps. Um, the first thing that you're going to want to do, I think, uh, if you have not gotten clear about legacy, and if you're, if you're kind of in that phase of life where you're reflecting on how you made a difference and how you can continue to make a difference, I think it's always important to write it down. So just first thing you want to do, and that's not on the action steps, it's part of the action steps, but write down for yourself in a journal or on a piece of paper what it is you would like to be remembered for. Um, and maybe you're not sure. I'd be happy to talk with people about it who aren't sure. Um, it could be that you want to focus on your family legacy. You know, I had a great conversation yesterday with a colleague of mine, uh, Walter, in Colorado. He's turning 60 this month, and he's got grandkids, um, 16 down to age 2. And he said, you know, I really want to make sure my grandkids know who I am and, and that they know what I believe and why I believe it. And I want them to have a piece of me that carries on. And so he's going to spend some time focusing on that personal legacy and these are some of the things that we talked about him doing and there are others but these are the things that come to mind the many of you have asked how do I do this so here are the action steps so uh, on this first slide there's three I've got ten total action steps so create a video of yourself telling stories you know used to people wrote in a journal um, and you could still do that and that's one of the action steps but you you write in a journal and tell your stories but I love the fact that we have video now and that uh, you can actually tell your story and, and you're the one telling it and they can see you and hear you and experience that. If you haven't watched, there's a documentary on uh, the Holocaust survivors. Someone has created a way to create a hologram of a Holocaust survivor that they've interviewed. Um, and it's so interesting because the way they've done it with artificial intelligence, I could ask a question to the hologram that's sitting there in a chair, and I could say, you know, tell me about your life. And they would then tell me a piece about their lives because they basically programmed the answers that that person gave with corresponding questions. It's so amazing. I doubt any of us are going to get that technical anytime soon. <laughs> But a video 
of a person with the, with the picture of them on the screen is really, really powerful. The second thing you could do as part of your purposeful legacy is many of you have said, what do I do with all these family photos? What do I do with them? Well, this is your time, especially now during the pandemic when we're kind of stuck at home and we're looking for things to do. Take those pictures and don't just put all of them uh, together. Pick the ones that have meaning for you or you think would have meaning for someone else and tell the story that goes with the picture. You could put it in a book or you could digitize it. I think that uh, personally, as a family member, I think uh, digitizing those pictures is a huge gift. Um, I know my uncle has boxes and boxes and boxes of them that came from my grandfather. And I could not tell you who the people are in those pictures. I just, I don't know. So to have those digitally um, put onto some sort of a medium, whether it's uh, on a hard drive or whether it's on a flash drive, however you do it, it, it could be done such a way that we know the story. And I think that's so important to do. The third thing you can do is share your values, your successes, and your heartbreaks. And you tell the story from today's perspective. And what do I mean from today's perspective? You know, if we tell the story when something happens, we tell the experience of the story, the lessons haven't often been learned, right? We don't always know what's going to come of that story. But this hit me uh, last week for sure. My uncle and I uh, took a drive out to visit my dad, and it's about a 50-minute drive each way, and we're visiting. And he begins to tell me stories about he and my dad um, after high school, well, during high school and after high school. And I knew my uncle was in the Navy and that he had joined right after uh, high school. And I said, tell me about that. What made you join the Navy? He said, well, I thought I knew I was going to be drafted. So my buddy and I, we were out drinking and we decided it would be a good idea to join. And I thought, oh my gosh, tell me more. And he told me the story, but then I asked him to tell me what he learned from that. Like, what was the lesson? Would you do the same thing again or would you do it differently? And he reflected on that and shared his story with me. It was so powerful. I learned a lot about him, about my dad, about what the world was like during that time and why he decided to do what he did. And so I think um, those stories, when you share those with your kids or grandkids, are really important. And here's the challenge with that, right? I've had people tell me, well, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to talk about it. But there is a time and a place to talk about those things in, in an age, of course, um, when people are more receptive to hearing them. And I will tell you that probably 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I wouldn't have been. I'd have been too busy to hear that story. But if it's documented somewhere, right, if it's documented digitally or if it's documented in a video or a journal, people will come back to those stories later. Right? They'll come back to them. Oh, I was going to tell you, there's a really great book that Marilyn Olson at the Villages gave me. Uh, it's called Over the Hill, no wait, Over the Hill but not, oh, Out to Pasture but not Over the Hill or vice versa, one of the two, I'll have to look. Um, over the Hill but not Out to Pasture, I think that's what it is. And the woman who wrote it said that uh, people had been encouraging her to 
take the things she had written in her journal. She was living at a senior living community and she had kind of journaled about her experience of that. And so she did and they published it as a book and it's very well read now and people have picked it up and read it that don't even know her. And I got a lot of really great knowledge and experience from her in that book. So imagine the impact you could have. You don't know how your stories are gonna affect other people. And it's not really your job to know. It's just your, your if, if it's on your heart to do, document it. All right, let's go to the next set of slides, which is uh, number four through six. So I talked about journaling. Um, in your journal, um, take a moment to reflect on the important things, not just the weather and the politics of the day, but how you feel about maybe the politics of the day or your perspective on them. Talk about your life. Talk about the lives of others that you're in relationship with and, and reflect on those things. Number five, um, this isn't about doing something tangible like a book or a journal, but this is about doing something that is more emotional and psychological in nature. So go back to those relationships that need forgiveness, whether the person is living or dead, and forgive. Um, it's kind of a spiritual concept, but it's human concept. So give forgiveness, whether, whether you do it in person or whether you do it in, internally isn't as important, but that it's done. Apologize to the people who need an apology and tie up any loose ends. Maybe, maybe you need to leave some letters for some people, right? Maybe you need to write down an apology. If you don't want to give it while you're living, maybe somebody will pass it on after you're gone. But sometimes we need to apologize and not just apologize, but let that person know that we're not perfect, right? Let them know that you recognize you're not perfect and maybe you can flip a negative legacy into a positive one for that person. The next one on the list is use your money to create experiences that will last. I talked about that a little bit already, but the goal is to, to create a legacy of experiences, to create a legacy where, you know, I'm hoping, and I'll never know probably, but Layla, you know, we decided instead of giving her a bunch of Christmas gifts, um, we pick a trip every year, and her Christmas gift is the trip. And we don't take the trip at Christmas, we take it later in the year. But our hope is that that is an experience that she will remember and cherish, but it's also the time spent with us where we get to impart our values uh, we get to do a little bit of um, grandparenting, if you will, during that time. And I'm hoping she'll look back on those memories fondly. The other grandkids, they're not quite old enough yet, but we'll get there. All right, it's going to get more expensive the more the grandkids get, so we'll see how that goes. Um, number seven. Let's look at number seven. If you're going to leave money as an inheritance or a charitable giving, tell your story. So those of you uh, who are leaving a, a significant inheritance to a, say, a charitable organization, a foundation, a university, a church, uh, a not-for-profit, again, that's just money. Um, and I think it's always interesting to see, you know, the people's names on the side of buildings and things. But do the people who are going to be beneficiaries of that money know about you? and why you left that money and what was important to you about that. 
what was important to you about the organization, what was important to you about how you earned the money or why the money was, um, how the money was to be used. Again, it goes back to intentionality, right? And how is that uh, a part of your life? No matter who you leave the money for, I really think that that's an important part of the story. Where are we at? Let's see here. Ah, number eight. Don't tie your legacy to things. Give and give your family permission. <laughs> give your family permission to let it go. Again, uh, if you're going to pass on the china, if you're going to pass on the jewelry, if you're going to pass on the silver, whatever it may be, if you really want someone to have an appreciation for those items, you're going to have to tell them why you appreciated them. And I, I just cannot emphasize this enough. When people get their feelings hurt, and I have such empathy for them when they say, my daughter doesn't want this, or my son doesn't want this, or nobody wants this, it's because those items are simply a placeholder. They're the tangible evidence of people or experiences or things that are valuable to you. Without the conveyance of that value, it's just stuff, right? It's just a platter of silver that has to be polished. But if you can tell the story and the story has meaning, now here's the difference. If you received it with no story and the person before you received it with no story and you've just been storing it in your house for 25 or 30 or 50 years and it has no real value to you either, then I can tell you it will not have value to the person who's getting it next. In 99% of cases, they're going to take that silver, they're going to have it melted down, and they're going to sell it for weight because it has no other value than the monetary value that comes with it. So I know that's bad news for some of you that have been hanging on to things, but the reality is the value is in the story and the experience of the item. Okay? Let your family let it go. Number nine, get your house in order. Um, if, if there were one of all of these, it would be this one that I think a lot of us, it would be easy to do if we would just do it. Um, get your house in order, do the necessary paperwork so that the grief process for your family, for your friends is less painful and less burdensome. You may have left the most amazing legacy in the way that you live your life all the way to the very end in the minds of your family and in the hearts of the people you know. Then your kids come in to close out your estate and they realize that it's a mess and that you haven't done anything to prepare. And now they're going to have to travel in, spend time, spend money, figure it all out, it makes it really hard for them to grieve and look at your legacy from a positive standpoint when they're burdened with the tasks associated with your death. So what can you do? You can do your financial planning with your financial person. You can do your legal documents with the attorney, your durable power of its attorney, your will or trust, um, all of the things that need to be put in place to whatever it is for your state make it easier to convey. You can meet with uh, the folks who do funeral planning and pay in advance for your funeral and decide what the funeral is going to be like and 
go ahead and make all those arrangements and decisions beforehand. And all of these things, you know, the reason people don't do them is people say, I don't know who to call. Well, guess what, guys? You don't get that excuse because we have sponsors that do every single one of the things that I'm talking about. And they're good people, they're reputable, and they're caring, and they're going to help you walk through the process. So if you don't know who to call, just ask us or just look at your sponsor list and go, okay, I need to get that piece of my life in order, and so I'm going to go ahead and do that. Make that your Christmas gift to your family this year, right? Get your house in order. And then the last one, uh, number 10, is not related to paperwork. It might be if you write it down. Share your feelings with the people that need to hear it. And it's usually your family. Say you're proud if you need to say you're proud. I have had more people tell me that they wish their dad would have told them they were proud of them. That's a pretty simple gift to give. Say I love you. Say I'm sorry or I'm not perfect. Say you matter to me. Say you made a difference in my life. Say whatever it is that needs to be said to allow for closure and for you to limit regrets. You know, at the end of people's lives, and our hospice people will tell you this, and our, our medical people will tell you this, that when you're, when you're looking at legacy, it depends on where you are in the phase of life, how you, how you look at it. So young people are not looking at legacy. They're looking at goals and dreams and aspirations, and, and unless they're diagnosed with a terminal illness, in which case their reflection begins, right? Middle age, most people are worried about, you know, creating an income and paying for kids to go to college and, and things like that and paying the bills. Once people are retired, um, they're trying to figure out, you know, how do I make my nest egg last, right? How do I make this retirement that I saved for last me through the end of my life? And then the people who are reaching the end of their life, and they know that, they begin to reflect on how do I tie up loose ends so that I don't have any regrets. And this is a great opportunity to do that because I'll tell you, with COVID, you guys, um, we don't know. We don't know. When I was uh, positive for COVID, I didn't know how that was going to go. You know, it could have been a week and I could have been in the hospital or it could have been a week and I could have had no symptoms. So with the uncertainty of the current day, there's really no better time to go ahead and do this. And we may have 20 more years left, we may have 50 or more years left, we may have 10, we may have 5, or we may have 10 days, and we don't know if we have a day. But I think it's, it's really important to limit the amount of regrets that we have in our life. There was a really interesting story in the Huffington Post, and I extracted this quote from it, um, but the, uh, there was no author for the quote. It's not what we leave for others that matters. It's what we leave in them that matters most. So as you're thinking about legacy and as you're thinking about the holidays and uh, how can I appreciate or, or impart wisdom to the people that I care about, um, these are some things to think about. Uh, 
Some people have told me, well, Nikki, I don't really have any family. I've outlived all my family. My kids are gone, or I didn't have kids. Uh, my spouse has passed. Um, there are people out there that you touch, whether they're at the place you live, neighbors, friends, people that you go to lunch with, um, a niece, a nephew. Um, I have, a, I have, on my mom's side of the family, I have a lot of aunts and uncles. And um, I can tell you that every single one of them impacted my life in some way, shape, or form over the years. They probably didn't do it intentionally. They were just living life. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, how am I living my life? And when I'm at the grocery store, am I saying nice things to the person in the line and who's checking me out, or am I being mean to them? Because that's a part of your legacy. How you show up every day. Um, are you critical or are you kind? Are you patient or are you impatient? Um, and right now, I think the world needs a little bit more patience, especially when they're driving, right, Chris Buckley? Yes, right. All right, so those are my parts and pieces and thoughts about legacy. And I'm no expert in this field. Um, I, I'm just a messenger. I'm just a teacher of what I think. Um, and truthfully, it's coming from my heart. This is what I was told to say through my own spiritual process. So you have to take that information and break it down and say, what about that talk today spoke to me, right? What about that was important to you? It's not all important. It won't be. What piece stood out to you that you're going to take action on? And then that's all you have to do, right? Uh, maybe you've got it all together. Maybe you're 100% confident and this talk caused you to say, I got it. I'm done. I am totally good. I am aligned. I am living the best life I can live. In which case, I say great, because that's the most important thing. So I want to share with you what's coming up um, in the next uh, few months, I guess, or one, one month. A <laughs> few months. Seems like it'll be a few months, but it won't. We are getting ready to launch our 2021 season. And we don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet as far as live or virtual. Um, we do know that if we're going to be able to go live, we'll be doing it again at Quell Creek Golf and Country Club. Uh, we will do both. So if we do live, we'll still do virtual for those people who are uh, wanting to stay home. Um, the next topic is the truth about living to be 100, what every senior needs to know. Uh, we would love for you to invite others to join us on the calls. Um, they can register online or go through Naomi, uh, 10 to 1130, January 14th. We're also going to, we have several of our sponsors who have renewed for next year, and we're very grateful for that. We'll have some changing of sponsors. We'll have some new folks and some folks that will uh, take a year off. That doesn't mean that we don't still value and appreciate them. It's just a, a major matter of commitment to um, time and resources. So go ahead and mark that on your calendar. Naomi's going to be emailing out the uh, schedule uh, with the um, with the information she sent you. You may have already received it. If you did, that's great. If you didn't, we'll also be mailing those out uh, in the coming weeks. The other thing on the schedule is um, if those of you who have not registered for this and you need a little accountability to getting your house in order and you think, gosh, that's a great idea. I totally want to do that. 
I need a little help, I'm not sure how to do it. Villages OKC has a program to help us do that. And so there's really, you know, no reason to not get involved in this if you haven't done it. This is not about doing your legal work. This isn't about doing your financial work. This is about putting all the information that you have done together, figuring out what the gaps are, doing those things. But more importantly, it's about the conversations that have to happen in order for you to do that. It's really a piece of legacy is what it is. Um, these classes are going on now, but they're going to be starting again. They're workshops, and so they're, they're you know, four weeks long and uh, once a week. And so if you register, it's $199, but it includes all the information, the, the program itself, the workbook, um, the workshop, and a one-year membership to Villages OKC. And that's a discounted price, you guys, so normally it would be more expensive to join, but the first year you get as a part of uh, doing the gift program. You can do the gift program in person as a small group at certain locations. You can get with the Villages OKC and they can talk to you about that. Um, I'm going to be hosting it virtually, so it won't be a webinar like this. It'll be more of a Zoom conference call where everybody can see each other on the screen and we'll be having interaction, we'll be talking through the material rather than me talking to you, we'll all be talking together. And that starts January 16th. I'm doing it on a Saturday because I want people who work to be able to join us. So if you have a family member or a friend or someone um, to, that wants to do it, even if they're out of the area because it's virtual, it's open to whomever um, would like to do it virtually. So get with Villages OKC. Uh, at their 990-6637 to register for that. And then if you would like to listen to replays of all of our seminars, you can do it several different ways. We do have a podcast now, which is um, you can go to uh, your app on your phone, and Apple has podcasts app. Just go to the Apple podcast app, download it, and then search for Senior Living Truth Series, and if you're watching the video, you can see the little icon. That's what the, the snapshot will look like, and you can listen uh, audibly to the seminars. If you'd rather watch a replay of the video, then you go to the website that we have where you register. So that's SeniorLivingTruthSeries.com, and there's a, a window there with, uh, if you scroll on the right-hand side of the picture, you'll see a directory of all of the seminars minus last month that you can watch. And uh, if you have any trouble with that, just call Naomi. She'll walk you through it. Um, she has no trouble just showing you what you need to do and walking you through it. Um, and you can also send that link to other people if they want to watch the replay. Feel, feel free to do that. And then lastly, of course, Facebook. We want you to join us on Facebook as well. Uh, last thing, just let me reiterate how important our sponsors are and thank them for everything they've done this year. Um, it's been really, really uh, awkward and frustrating because of having to do it virtually instead of live. I know for you guys it's the same thing, but our sponsors have, uh, have done an amazing job of helping reach out to people who have questions and they're calling them on the phone, they're doing FaceTime calls, they're meeting them in person if they need to, and so we just so appreciate them for that. So please continue to support our sponsors when you need something. Um, they're there to support you when you need something as well. 
Uh, I think that's all I have for today, you guys. And I just want to uh, end the call by wishing you a very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, um, wonderful holidays. And if you need anything at all, please don't hesitate to call Naomi, myself, Chris, any of our event team members, any of our sponsors. We don't want you to spend this holiday worrying about something that doesn't need to be worried about. So please just make sure you reach out if you need anything or if you know someone else who does. Make it a wonderful day. Have a blessed weekend and holiday season, and I will see you in January.